This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I am Faraz Sadiqi. I'm joined by Zach Rizzuto. We are going to be going over the AFC North today. We're going to go over the Steelers, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens talking fantasy implications of basically every single fantasy relevant player in that division in all all four of those teams we went through a ton of uh divisions already we have a couple more left to go uh but if you haven't checked those episodes out make sure to because you know if you're trying to figure out what our take is on any player chances are we probably talked about them uh over the past couple of episodes because we went through every single team and we're going to continue doing those division previews into next week. Uh, so make sure you listen to those episodes. But in the meantime, Zach, listen, man, we got some breaking news. Got yeah. some breaking news here. Dalvin Cook being released by the Vikings. Uh, huge news. We talked about this yesterday. This was uh, something that we expected And we kind of did a little bit of an analysis on Alexander Madison yesterday. Uh, you know, obviously kind of, we didn't know this was going to happen so soon, but we kind of had an idea that it was going to happen. Um, yeah. As of right now, Alexander, Alexander Madison is the guy. Okay, uh, Their head coach came out and said a couple days ago that Madison has taken ownership of all three downs, and he has been doing so for a few years now. He's been doing that for a while. Now, that was his head coach talking about Alexander Madison, and that's true. Right, he has taken ownership of that, and he he has shown in the past that he is capable. Now, if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen a post that Zach created. Okay, that kind of showed, you know, how Alexander Madison has done throughout his career when Dalvin Cook missed games. Okay, we start in 2022, week five, when Dalvin Cook hurt his groin halfway through the game. Alexander Madison had 23 touches in that game on only 45% of snaps or so. Mm-hmm. He went, he hit 130 all-purpose yards in that game. 16.6 PPR fantasy points. Pretty good for not scoring a touchdown. Okay. Yeah. The next game Dalvin Cook missed because of that groin. The, the Vikings got blown out in that game. 40, only 48% of snaps for Alexander Madison, only four PPR fantasy points. Big disappointment. Uh, I know a lot of people who started him that week. I I still remember it. It was a huge disappointment uh, that week. But there was no other running back who got touches that week. Like, it was just Madison. I think there was only 12 total carries for the running back position that week. And Alexander Madison got 10 of them. Okay. Um, And then we move on to the Lions, 2020 week 17. 29.5 PPR fantasy points. Okay, 145 all-purpose yards on 24 touches. Okay, and this theme remains until the very end. Okay, Seahawks, week three of 2021, 23.1 fantasy points. Next time, Dalvin Cook misses, 26.3 fantasy points. Next time, 21.4 PPR fantasy points. And then 2021, last week against the Rams, 16 fantasy points um, PPR in PPR. So you're looking at a situation where if Alexander Madison is given the reins, we're looking at a potential RB1 here. Now, yeah. are we going to rank him as an RB1? Probably not. 
Uh, are there a lot of, uh, you know, a huge range of outcomes in terms of like what could potentially happen in this backfield? Yes. Um, can they sign someone like Kareem Hunt, Zeke, Fournette, you know, to at least mess up the backfield, right? Like we don't know what yeah. the share will be or who will be the 1A in those type of situations. But, you know, things could get messed up here. But it seems like they did sign him. You know, he was he was set to be a free agent. They did re-sign him. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're in a situation where, like, we got to make a decision, right? Is Madison going to be that guy? Now, we talked about Dwayne McBride coming in, you know, as a rookie. I loved him, right? He was my RB6 in this draft class coming in to the draft. Right. He can't be the RB6 after the draft because he was drafted in the seventh round of the actual <laughs> NFL draft. So that we knew that that wasn't going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think he was going to be drafted in the seventh round, man, to be honest with you. Like, I was that big of a fan of him. If I had to tell you right now who I think the best rusher in the Vikings backfield is as of today, I think it was Dwayne McBride. Unfortunately, he didn't participate in OTAs. He's been a little bit banged up since he was drafted. Uh, and we'll yeah. see what happens in training camp, right? As of right now, they haven't been able to really see McBride. And so I think drawing the conclusion early that he's not going to work out is a little bit, you know, hasty. At the same time, I think, uh, I think, I think the chances aren't super duper high that McBride uh, ends up playing a huge role this year, just because of the right. fact that he was a seventh round pick, despite the fact that I love the dude, you know. Yeah. Um, and I say super duper because I, I mentioned <laughs> yesterday that we went uh, to uh, Hershey Park with my kids, and there was a ride there called Super Duper Looper, and. Oh. That's still, that's still in my head. <laughs> Super duper looper. I yes. went on that a bunch of times with my kids. So you're incorporating anyway. the Hershey Park lore into the fantasy oh, yeah. football discussion. What are your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went on my rant here. You know, I think yeah. Madison could be that dude. Um, what are your overall thoughts about this move, Dalvin Cook? We didn't even touch Dalvin Cook, you know, where he might land and all that. But what are your overall thoughts about Madison right now with, with Madison you know I think that this is a guy that we talked to pretty much laid it all out there so it might be a little bit of you know echo chamber right here but I will say that I think there's a better chance that he is that RB1 that we've seen over the years than there is that Dwayne McBride comes in and has some significant role that's going to cut out of Madison's you know volume I, I think that Madison's going to get the touches that he needs we've seen he can be efficient on any number of touches um I like that he's able to work in the receiving game those games that you listed through it wasn't just in the ground he can handle both the receiving game and the run game. So it's not like he's going to have somebody coming in to spell him. We talked about Tyson Chandler, not Keontae Ingram yesterday, as somebody else also with D.Y. McBride. But neither of them I don't think we have to worry about, especially not in 2023. I think they might be more of a problem down the road in 2024 for Dynasty. So Madison uh, owners in Dynasty can kind of, you know, be happy with where they're at right now. They don't have to worry about that competition this year. Um, but in redraft, in terms of redraft, you know, we're not going to rank him as an RB1. I think that's fair, but I think he's going to be a high RB2, probably in our rankings. I think that's where he's going to fall, and I think he could finish well above that. And right now, his price, we talk about early drafting all the time on underdog, you know, I think you could take take advantage of that before the market adjusts, because we knew this was coming. It might His price might be even a little bit more inflated than it was a couple of weeks ago right now, but you could take advantage of that price right now before it shoots up. Um, where do you see his ADP kind of settling? I think it's going to fall right in that RB 14, 15 range. That would be my guess. Yeah. That'd be my guess too. I, I think end of third round, early fourth round is where I think it'll end up settling, uh, you know, in July and August, assuming that, you know, no other running back gets signed there. And it, it's pretty clear through training camp that Madison is the three down guy. And, and if that's the case, I think, I think the ADP is warranted if that is the case. And we'll see what happens yeah. during camp. Um, there's a lot of football left to go, a lot of offseason activities to go. Um, but as of right now, Madison's that dude. You know, I, I don't think it's a situation where, like, you know, we're falling into a trap if we end up drafting Madison no. at this price right now. Um, I, I think it's okay. I think he he could return on value. I think the upside is worth it um, to take take those yeah. shots on Madison. I think I'm still taking shots on McBride at the end of, you know, the 18th round and on underdog and stuff like that just in case, you know what I mean? Because I do believe in the talent. Uh, but we'll yeah. see. But also with McBride, you know, we like him as a runner, and I'm a big fan of him too. But yeah. um, if something would happen to Madison, like that's an extremely cheap handcuff that could just kind of fall into work if it, Madison would get injured. I mean, him and Tyson Chandler, I think they're going to go with Dwayne McBride in that situation. Who knows what happens from there on? If he really shows off, you know, dynasty value could be way up. That's obviously speculation at this point. 
I'm hoping Madison can stay healthy because I do like him as fancy running back. Obviously, we want everyone to stay healthy. But um, Dwayne McBride, you know, don't just write him off just because we said, you know, he's a seventh-round pick, whatever, and he hasn't been on the field recently. He's probably going to be on the roster come week one. If anything would happen to Madison over the course of the season, there's nothing wrong with picking up Dwayne McBride as a handcuff to him because he could fall into some immediate value. And it's, it's not a bad offense that we're talking about. You know, this is Vikings exactly. offense. Yep, exactly. And um, I, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, why we're just discounting Ty Chandler. And, and it, it's really because, like, I, I personally don't think he's that good. The OC was also asked about potential increased opportunity for Ty, Ty Chandler this year and, like, if he's ready. And then the OC responds with, yeah, I guess he's ready. Uh, you know, I guess he, I guess he'll have to be ready. So, yeah. like, that's not <laughs> – like, if I was the OC and, like, that player was, like, pretty good and he was showing a lot of promise – you know, I'll say something like, yeah, you know, he's been looking forward to this opportunity for a while. He deserves it, blah, blah, blah. You know, say something. But that wasn't yeah. the ringing endorsement that I would want if I'm Ty Chandler <laughs> or, you know, or if I'm, you know, hoping that Ty Chandler does Any something of his this dynasty year. owners. <laughs> yeah, man, for real. Um, yeah. But, uh, but okay, let's move on to Dalvin Cook, though. There are a bunch of landing spots that he could potentially ruin, right? <laughs> yep. There's a bunch of uh, fantasy spots that he could land in, and most likely he's going to ruin uh, some other fantasy back that a lot of people have been wanting to draft uh, at yeah. cost, right? Uh, Miami is a possibility. And you know, a lot of people are looking at Miami like, why, why Miami? You know, it's such a crowded backfield already. But, you mm -hmm. know, if Dalvin Cook goes there, it's not going to be crowded anymore. I think if Dalvin Cook yeah. ends up in Miami, you don't worry about Raheem Mostert. You don't worry about Jeff Wilson. It's Dalvin Cook and Devon Asian. I think that's what it's going to end up being uh, if mm -hmm. Cook goes there. Uh, so it's not crowded anymore, right? They still have four good backs, but Dalvin Cook goes there. He's going to be that dude. And I think Dalvin Cook still has a little bit left in the tank. Um, I yep. think he's still better than Zeke. He still has some breakaway ability. Uh, mm -hmm. But we've seen some <laughs> decline from him over the last couple seasons. So, yeah. uh, you know, don't, don't expect Dalvin Cook that you had a couple years ago. But, you know, I think I think a solid RB2 is in the cards for Dalvin Cook, especially if he goes to an offense that will feed him a little bit in the receiving game. Right. I, I don't think his value is going to really change from where it was. Obviously, we said he's slowing down a little bit. I think if he goes to Miami, that would be the least destructive landing spot I think that he could land you know, in terms of who else is going to be impacted by this because it's pretty wide open down in Miami who's going to be starting in the backfield. So I think if you're just a fancy football fan, he would actually land on the map as somebody that you can maybe get away with targeting. You know, as like your RB2. Yeah, it's funny because like that landing spot would actually provide clarity in that backfield. Exactly. That would help a ton because right now my hands are off Miami's backfield. I don't want anything to do with it. There's just too many guys. Right. And with the way that I expect Tua to play, all those receiving weapons, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, I think they're going to be just fine. The offense is going to be good. I'm not sure how much they're going to lean on that run game. So if Dalvin Cook would go there, you know, that might be, like you said, the move that we need to kind of understand how things are going to work. That might put Miami's backfield back on the map. If, if you ask me other places we talked about, obviously we don't want him going to Dallas. Like the jets were apparently looking at him. We don't want that. Although that might be realistic depending on if the jets want to go all in, you know, this season, just do best available, just get as many playmakers as they can around Rogers. That might work. I wouldn't like, how much are we projecting for Brees Hall? If he would go to the jets, you know, do you think like, I think that might not be horrific, even though at first, it might seem bad. Dalvin Cook wouldn't be someone that's going to be there long term. Like, obviously, Brees Hall is a guy long term. I think from a football perspective, it actually makes a lot of sense for Brees Hall to, to go to New York and for the Jets to want – I'm sorry, for Dalvin Cook Dalvin to Cook. go to New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that would make a lot of sense because if I'm the Jets, I don't want to mess up my young stud. You know, Brees Hall coming off the ACL, you know, don't put too much on him, you know, his right. first year back. Bring in Dalvin Cook – that would be a, a absolutely ridiculous one-two punch right there, right, with Brees right. Hall and Dalvin Cook. You can limit Brees Hall's touches, and you're obviously going for a championship, bringing in Aaron Rodgers. So that would make a lot of sense for me personally. Um, you know, there are other holes that the Jets could fill, but I think Dalvin Cook would add a little bit uh, of extra spice onto that offense, um, mm -hmm. an offense that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he would love to have someone like Dalvin Cook uh, there right, right now, right? So, I think it makes sense I, from a fantasy standpoint, it would suck, you know, and, you know, I haven't been targeting Brees Hall at all, especially at his price because of the fact that he's coming off the ACL. Um, right. So because of that, you know, I think this could make a little bit of sense. 
I, you're talking about that, how we're not, we're already not really targeting Brees Hall at yeah. this point because of his injury. So would that, like, I don't think that would be as disastrous as many people think. Like I said, Dalvin Cook goes for me, York. for me, for me, it wouldn't, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. As a Jets fan, but even for fantasy football, what I'm saying is, you know, Brees Hall is going to be coming off the ACL injury. They can ease him back in with Dalvin Cook in the lineup. Maybe Dalvin Cook has a couple good weeks to start the season. Brees Hall is only getting healthier as the season goes on. So yeah. at some point, midway through the season, maybe things start tipping towards Brees Hall once he's you know ready to go and 100%. Dalvin Cook yeah. can still be that guy that spells him. Like If Brees Hall already wasn't going to get probably the workload that we wanted him to to achieve that high upside that we saw last season, like bringing Dalvin Cook isn't going to change that. It might just allow him to come back better, stronger, and not rush back. Yeah. So I don't think it would be that bad in the short term either. So it's not a disaster if he goes to New York. The only place I see it being a disaster is if he goes to the Cowboys. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Because that would ruin Tony Pollard. And yeah. we can see Cook getting goal line carries, something that we desperately want Pollard to have this year so that he could return and be a top five fantasy running back this year. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, it would just be Zeke be, it, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Except Dalvin Cook is, I think, you know, not He's as washed better. as Zeke was. Yeah. Yeah. A no. little bit. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's start with the AFC North now. Let's break down this division. We're going to start with the Bengals. Obviously, a, a high-powered offense led by Joe Burrow. Uh, he's going in the fourth round on underdog right now. Joe Burrow, you know, to me, you know, is was a great pick last year because you kind of got him at a discount, right? Like, he was a pocket quarterback, but you know he had the weapons. You know he could take a step forward, and he did that. Yeah. Um, but for me personally... I'm not sure I'm targeting him. Like, he's going right next to Justin Fields right now, right? And we know who has yeah. higher upside, right? It's obviously Justin Fields. Um, and I think the floor is also similar. Now, is Burrow way safer than Justin Fields? I think so. I think he is. However, I, I don't think it's to the point where I, I don't want to chase Justin Fields upside with the addition of, uh, of DJ Moore, you know, to get, grab somebody who was propped up a little bit by a bunch of, like, goal line sneak touchdowns. You never know. That's super variable. You never know if that's going to happen again. Um, that did prop up, prop him up a little bit last year. Uh, if I could get him like in the seventh, eighth round, sure, in a one quarterback league. But like, it seems like he might be going in the fifth or so in twelve team home yeah. leagues. I think that's a little bit too high for me to bet on somebody who simply doesn't rush the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Joe Burrow, and don't get me wrong. But when you look at it in that context, you know, you present it. Okay, he's going right next to Justin Fields. Who would you rather have? You know. You can say you're targeting Joe Burrow. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with taking him as your quarterback one. You know, he's going to be perfectly fine. He has sure. the floor that is like – he has probably one of the safest floors outside of Patrick Mahomes. You know, yeah. he's like a really safe floor quarterback. And he has the upside. He's not going to hit that every week. Where Justin Fields, he can hit that almost every week if he's running the ball the way that we saw him run it last year. So I hear what you're saying with Joe Burrow. But like Joe Burrow, there's not a whole lot of analysis to do. We know who he is. We've seen him, you know, produce the way he's produced. He's going to be a QB1, probably low-end QB1, mid-QB1. That's kind of where his upside is going to max out. So, like you said, you broke it down. It just comes down to that rushing ability. Um, I'm with you. I'm not avoiding him for any reason, but I'm not like going out of my way to target him unless he falls maybe a little bit. It doesn't have to be a drastic fall. You know, if he's in the fifth round, I wouldn't – if his ADP is in the fifth, I wouldn't mind taking him, you know, late sixth, seventh, early seventh. I, I wouldn't mind. But at that fifth-round price, you know, there's so many other skill players that you could take in that range. I'm with you on that one. Like, there's nothing wrong with Joe Burrow. It's just he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to target. Let's move to the backfield. You got Joe Mixon, Chase Brown, fifth-round pick, Travion Williams, Chris Evans. I think there's a good chance we see Joe Mixon in the exact same role we saw him in last year with additional work on passing downs, given the fact that Samaj P. Ryan's not there anymore. Right? I don't think right. Chase Brown comes in as a rookie and is trusted in pass protection on third and longs like they trusted P. Ryan. Right. So mm -hmm. as far as far as Mixon's potential legal case goes, it seems like he'll be fine for 2023. Like this type of stuff, you know, gets moved past the season. Usually it kind of gets moved further. Uh, you know, these lawyers do a great job at that. And from legal experts who have taken a look at this particular case, it seems like it's most likely that Mixon is fine for this season, which means he's at a discount right now. Right. He's a three right. round back on a great offense and the Bengals didn't use a high pick on a running back, which means they're also not worried. And if you're telling me that Chase Brown was that guy, like 
why did they wait until the fifth round? Did they just know he was going to be there? Was he was it, like, were they targeting Chase Brown? Like he's right. gonna be Joe Mixon's replacement in they're, case they're he gets suspended? Like, they're tapping their fingers, waiting for him to slide <laughs> down the board. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't it, think it's so. because it's because they weren't worried. Like regardless yeah. of whether they ended up with Chase Brown or not, like Brown was a mediocre back in college. He had a terrible week at the senior bowl. I was there. But he did show the ability to take on a huge workload in college last year, and that's worth something. Uh, even though he didn't stay efficient when he took on that big workload, but if anything were to happen to Mixon, like if he gets hurt or something like that this year, I'd have confidence that Chase Brown can handle a big workload and be very fantasy-relevant right. because of the fact that he's on the Bengals. And even if he's just an early-down workhorse in Mixon's place, which I think he's very capable of, that role is going to have a lot of value. So I think both things can be true at once. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think people don't really understand how big of a loss, you know, Samaj P. Ryan is in this backfield. Like he did a lot for them. You mentioned the passing work, but um, also pass blocking, all that stuff, everything in the receiving game. He was actually a pretty good runner too, you know, and in those couple of games that Joe Mixon missed last season, he actually played very well. And that's why we're kind of excited about him on the Broncos. We'll be talking about, we already talked about him on the AFC West episode, but, I'll tell you what, Joe Mixon, the price that he's going at right now, he's the, what is he, the RB17 on underdog? Like, I don't think you can really beat that price. You mentioned it. Like, who are those guys behind him? Chase Brown is probably the most notable, like you said. Any of the other guys, Chris Evans has been there a while. They've used him on a a little bit of passing work, you know, a little bit of rush here or there. He's been running behind both Joe Mixon and Smaj P. Ryan his whole career. I don't see him stepping up and changing that, challenging Joe Mixon. He's been there a while. Um, And Travion Williams, who? Right. So the competition that we're looking at with Joe Mixon is so minimal. Like at this point, you kind of got to lock him in, even if he's only running the ball 15 or 16 times. This is going to be a high scoring offense. And we saw that happen last year where he can cash in on touchdowns just based off getting down in the end zone, uh, the red zone via the pass. Like it's going to be pass first with Joe Burrow. But Joe Mixon on this offense, he had that boom game. Remember the 55 points Um, that might be inflating his um, point total a little bit last season, but he was actually pretty consistent. And there's no reason to, you know, devalue him because of this case. I'm not worried about the case against him right now. Like, if you're talking about pushing something off, like, I'm surprised that Alvin Kamara's has been pushed off as far as it has because I think that's a totally different case in terms of what we're looking at, you know, in terms of any type of charges. But with this information coming out about Joe, Joe Mixon, I don't even know what, you know, this whole legal thing is about. It doesn't seem like that he did anything horrifically wrong. Um, I don't want to discount anything that might have happened. I'm not perfectly clear situation but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem this season so i'm with you i mean assuming that doesn't happen i mean at a mid rb2 price joe mixon's gonna be perfectly fine if he doesn't even you know capitalize on your investment if he doesn't do much better than the rb17 you're still only paying his um a mid second not a mid second round the mid fifth round you're only paying a mid fifth round pick for joe mixon so you can't really go wrong there's no risk and if he doesn't you know cash in you're going to be fine anyway, because at that point you have your other guys. Joe Mixon just a swing at the upside. And I think he can reach that too. Yeah, my guess is that in home leagues, he's going to be a fourth round pick. Right now he's going to the fifth round on underdog. And like if you're building a zero RB team, like if you're drafting like three wide receivers in the first three rounds, Joe Mixon's the perfect pick for you. Uh, because yeah. you might end up with the low end RB1 when it's all said and done. Uh, and you know he's going to have those boom weeks when he scores those goal line touchdowns, right? So. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting a, a, a pretty good year for Joe Mixon. Um, you know, nothing necessarily better than next, last year or anything like that. But the point is that he might have a little bit of a role that he didn't have last year, which is mm-hmm. going to be tacked on to what he did have. And then on top of that, he's on a good offense. So I, I think I think people are overthinking this one a little bit. Moving on to this wide receiver core, you got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. One of the reasons why, you know, everyone's drafting Joe, Joe Burrow so high and deservedly so uh, a great wide receiver trio right here Tyler Boyd is on his last year of his deal um, they drafted Charlie Jones who you know Purdue wide receiver who he, he moved around a ton in college finally found his spot and led college football in receptions yards could be Tyler Boyd's replacement Right, yeah. So if you're in Dynasty, somebody to tell them to keep an eye on. It could be the heir apparent to Tyler Boyd. Uh, they also drafted Andre Yostrivas, uh, who was at the Senior Bowl. Kind of a freak of an athlete. A lot of people compared him to Christian Watson. However, he didn't do anything during the Senior Bowl that made you say, wow. Right, Christian Watson, that was the opposite case because he was like the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl two years ago or, or a year ago. 
um, before he was a rookie. So uh, a couple of notes on there, but Jamar Chase, obviously, like, you know, I have him as my wide receiver two behind Justin Jefferson this year, Cooper Cup following him. By the way, you can find my rankings at patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy, dynasty rankings, redraft rankings, all of it is there. Draft kit coming soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is an easy pick, right? There's no yeah. need to discuss that. T. Higgins, um, you know, had him as a low end wide receiver one going into last year. I have him as a uh, mid to high end wide receiver two this year um i think he disappointed a little bit last year especially in the weeks that jamar chase was out for right when jamar chase was out i was expecting t higgins to do big things wide receiver one quality every single week that didn't happen um so you know you you would hope that higgins could take that next step but we might get more of the same next year um maybe we see a little bit of a increase in targets and production uh but i think he's just like a safe high and wide receiver two moving forward right and that's that's actually the way i kind of viewed him last season too uh, not much has changed we know who joe burrow is i think it's gonna be a very similar offensive scheme not a whole lot's going to change and i think that both jamar chase and t higgins are above that line where they might be affected by a guy like charlie jones coming up and maybe making some waves you know they're, they're not going to be affected to the point where their value changes because of the guys underneath them. So I'm not worried about T Higgins at all in that sense, but I don't think we should get him confused as, you know, this wide receiver one player right now, unless something changes, you know, he does get the targets, but Jamar Chase is going to be the guy in the, in the receiving game ahead of him. Every single time that he plays, you're right. He did disappoint last season um, in Jamar Chase's stead. He had a bunch of just low finishes, you know, low wide receiver two, high wide receiver three finishes. He went on a streak um, between week six and nine of last season where he didn't finish higher than wide receiver 22. Like he had a couple boom weeks, you know, he finished as a wide wide receiver four in um, week 11, wide receiver four again in week 16. But outside of that, you know, he wasn't consistent enough, or at least to the point that Jamar Chase is going to be to call him a wide receiver one. So I think wide receiver two, high wide receiver two makes sense because it is a good offense. We'll give him that. We're not going to bang on T Higgins that bad, but I will say that we shouldn't get him confused as a wide receiver one. So I think his price kind of hanging out down there, um, the low second round, might be a little high for me, but that that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm not targeting him there personally. Um, what about Irv Smith? You know, coming over from the Vikings, yeah. dynasty favorite, right? He's been a dynasty <laughs> darling forever, never produced in his career. Uh, still relatively young, but you know, tight end seventeen in the thirteenth round, now attached to Joe Burrow. They have nobody behind him, behind Irv yeah. Smith you kind of have to think that Irv Smith might get a chance to run, uh, you know, at a big route participation. And I think that's what it comes down to because he hasn't in his career really had the opportunity to get that 75% route participation that we're looking for. Is mm-hmm. Irv Smith on your radar at all as a late round tight end? Uh, he's on my radar. He's just a dart throw. I mean, the situation, it seems like the stars are aligning. You know, he's now tied to Joe Burrow, like you mentioned. He's on a good passing offense. You know, there's nobody really around him. He always had to compete with Kyle Rudolph and all these other guys. And, you know, with the Vikings, even I think Tyler Conklin was getting work ahead of him back in his Vikings days. So we haven't really had this situation yet with Irv Smith in his career. So I don't want to just say that, yeah, Joe Burrow plus presumably running more routes equals, you know, fantasy success. But tight end 17, I'd take a dart throw on him, especially with the way the tight end landscape is. You know, there's upside there because if he's running those routes, we saw Hayden Hurst was kind of relevant last season when he was on the Bengals. And he's not anywhere near, I think, the talent that Irv Smith is. Smith just hasn't stayed healthy. If he can stay healthy, do his thing, run those routes, and just get a couple touchdowns even this season. You know, we could have some weeks where he's finishing inside the top five, six tight ends. But that's a very optimistic view. We haven't seen him produce, you know, in his career. We don't want to project that for somebody who hasn't done that just yet. That's why I'm calling him a dart throw. I have no problem with him at tight end 17. It might be a little high, but I think the fantasy community is kind of on to him that he might be a value. I think it would be a little bit lower if there was somebody else in that tight end room. But because there's nobody else, I think that people are kind of valuing him a little bit higher. And that's perfectly warranted. I'm, I'm cool with that. So wide receiver, not wide receiver, tight end 17. I'm cool with Irv Smith. He's on my radar. Dart throw. I'm not taking him as like my last minute tight end and just thinking I'm going to be all right with him. I wouldn't rely on him for the entire season, have some other plan in place, but there's nothing wrong with taking a swing on him as a tight end too. potential tight end one. If things shake out the way that there's that they, that they can. 
13th round, 25 years old. Well, not 25 yet. So there is a chance that he could work out eventually. Um, moving on to the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, quarterback, second year. Are you expecting anything from Kenny Pickett this year? Are you expecting Kenny Pickett to at least take a step forward, maybe take this offense to from shitty to maybe <laughs> mediocre or a little bit better than mediocre? I think it can get to average. And that doesn't say a whole lot about Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. For me, with Kenny Pickett, I think that he can achieve Derek Carr status this season. I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, I don't think Kenny Pickett's a fantastic prospect. He's good. But I think on this offense, I think he can max out as like a Derek Carr type quarterback in year two, which means that is to say he can support other fantasy relevant players where last season wasn't really doing that. Obviously, the. Deontay Johnson there, having him there helps Kenny Pickett. But um, I, I'm kind of looking at him just – I would rely on Kenny Pickett as maybe my QB2, and he'd be a late QB2 for me if I'm taking him because I don't think he's a difference-making quarterback just yet if he's going to be one. Um, his upside isn't that high. I think you're looking at you know, 22, 23 points being his weekly upside every week just because of the way this offense is going to run. They still have Najee Harris in the backfield. Jalen Warren's coming on. It's going to be more of a balanced attack. They still don't want to put too much on Kenny Pickett. So I think if he can be efficient, we're looking at a solid QB2, I think, this season. His upside isn't in the QB1 territory just because of the talent that there is at the quarterback position. But there's nothing wrong with Kenny Pickett. I wouldn't rely on him as my QB1, though. So I think QB2, ideally, would be where I'd aim to target him to fill in my roster. I could see this offense taking a little bit of a step forward. Um, So... Maybe we'll, we'll see some more scoring in the back half of the year. Kenny Pickett, I think he did improve the offensive efficiency, improved as well as a whole. Right. But going to this backfield, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, I think there's a pretty good chance that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are splitting work this year. I think Warren is going to be the primary passing down guy, with Harris being the primary early down guy. And that's okay for Harris because you know he'll still be running some routes on early downs we'll still get some targets but you can't expect anywhere close to the type of volume that he received his rookie year when he was playing damn near close to 100% of snaps right he had 94 right. targets his rookie year that ain't happening again right i think 40 <laughs> to 50 catches is still in his range of outcomes uh he's an rb2 for me this year i don't see him getting to that rb1 level you know without the involvement in the past game, uh, you know, as much as he had in the past, I, I never thought he was at a, I never thought he was an amazing talent. You know, his rookie mm-hmm. year was all volume, not so efficient. Uh, and without this Steelers offense being an offense that's going to score a ton of points, again, I think he's going to be a volume based RB2 going into this year. Yeah, I, I think that makes total sense. You look at the volume that he got in his rookie year, we can figure out why that happened. Who was their quarterback? <laughs> ben Roethlisberger. So what is he going to do besides dump it off to his running back when he's in danger? You know, at that point, that's why he got all those targets. We, I think we can chalk it up safely to that. And we look at the numbers that came way down last season because Kenny Pickett, he's a rookie, not only because he's rookie, partially because he's not Ben Roethlisberger, so he's not going to check it down as much just by not being Big Ben. But then also he's a rookie. And sometimes they try to do too much, extend the play, look downfield more than just taking their outlet guy. That could change. He could start taking the outlet guy a little bit more, but like you just mentioned, that might be Jalen Warren now instead of Najee Harris. So I, I think that Najee's going to be a really safe option again. Uh, Najee was safe. He was a safe option last season, and he did pretty much that. He scored you like 10 or 11 points every game. He had a couple boom games, but he didn't really bust. So he's a high floor running back, not really high upside because of the receiving game not being there. His, his role is kind of, kind of gone at this point. But um, I don't have any problem taking him as my RB2. You know, there might be weeks where he gets a touchdown or two. I do think the offense is going to be going to get better, and that's only going to benefit, you know, all the players in this offense. So I think Najee Harris is going to be just fine. I'm valuing him pretty much exactly the same as I was at the end of this past season. So nothing has really changed for him. He's being drafted as an RB13 off the board right now. I'm out. At that price, personally, he's not a high end RB two to me. He's gonna have those type. He's gonna have those weeks, like you said. Yep. But at RB thirteen, I I there's way too many <laughs> wide receivers, especially that I'd rather draft or when he's being drafted. Let's put it into perspective. RB fourteen is looking pretty attractive. Jameer Gibbs after Najee yeah. Harris. 
Yeah. I'm if you ask me right now, like, yo, like, come on. Who we dropped? <laughs> Jameer Gibbs at RB14 or Najee at RB13. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. It's it's Too not close. And if you're already taking a running back in that range, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is 10 picks ahead of him, too. Like, they're just 10 picks overall on the board. So there are a bunch of better options there. Najee Harris is like, to use your expression, punting. I don't want to be punting in the third round of my draft by taking Najee Harris. You know what I'm saying? You should be shooting for these explosive playmakers. And Najee Harris is not that at this point. Speaking of explosive playmakers, right? We're going to hit on J.K. Dobbins in a little bit. But let me ask you a right. question. We're going to hit it. We're not there yet. We're not at the Ravens yet. But who would you rather have for 2023? J.K. Dobbins or Najee Harris? So you have kind of pulled me under your wing. I've joined the <laughs> upside. I've joined Just the upside question. faction. Just a yeah. question. Yep. I've joined the upside faction. I'm going with J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> all right. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. All right. All right. We'll, we'll get to J.K. Dobbins in a second. Yes, I, we'll I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Absolutely. Um, I absolutely love the fact that everyone in the fantasy community is down on Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Why do I love it? Because I could draft him as the wide receiver 36 off the board right now on underdog. A borderline wide receiver three. That's mm-hmm. where he's being drafted. He had 147 yes. targets last year. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> do you really think that Deontay Johnson is not going to score any touchdowns again this year? He had eight in 2021. He had zero last year. What do you think is going to happen going into next season? Like, how often do guys who have that many targets score no touchdowns? It doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. We have to recognize this past year as an extreme outlier year. And you have to expect yeah. a huge bounce back from Deontay, and you have to expect those touchdown numbers to bounce back. You remember when Cole Komet had zero touchdowns in 2021 on 93 targets? Everyone yep. was like, nah, he sucks. He scores no touchdowns. And then Justin Fields throws seven touchdowns to him this past year on only 69 targets. So this is what happens, right? I think while everyone's down on Deontay, everyone's too high on George Pickens. Yeah, Deontay averaged 8.6 targets a game last year. That was 15th among all wide receivers. Pickens averaged 4.9. Okay, he was a rookie. What about the back half of the year when you know rookies usually you know take a little bit of a step forward, right? Yep. 4.6 targets per game. That was less than a season average. Deontay, 7.9 targets per game. So let's not get it twisted. Deontay Johnson is the alpha in Pittsburgh. It's going to remain that way this season. Follow, t- follow the targets, not the touchdowns. Okay, the Steelers, I think the Steelers offense, like we mentioned, should take a bit of a step forward this year. The offensive line improved. You're getting an alpha wide receiver, one of the best separators in the NFL at a ridiculous discount. Yeah. So last year at this time, you were saying the exact same thing. (laughs) You know, I'm and I disagreed last season. And it's funny because I your point was made by the fact that he got 140 some targets. But my point was made by him scoring no touchdowns. And that was because I said Kenny Pickett wasn't going to be good enough. But now. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be better this season. You know, I don't think he's just going to stagnate in his second year. I think he's going to be perfectly fine. Um, so to say Deontay Johnson's going at wide receiver 36, so like that is a value. I will give you that 100% because you look at his past three years, you know, you look at the game logs since his rookie, the three years before his rookie year in 2019, he has like 20, 30 games over 10 targets apiece. Like he is a target earner. We've, we've known this. The only reason I was leery last year on Deontay Johnson was because the offense wasn't going to be good. But now, I think it has a chance to be a lot better because Kenny Pickett's there. It's going to be his second year. He'll be able to dial in a little bit more. And like you said, I mean, I think touchdown regression is going to hit Deontay Johnson like a truck because zero touchdowns. Like, that's one of the crazy stats that I don't think a lot of people remember just because they look at Deontay Johnson like, oh, well, he finished as a wide receiver 30 last year, so he's not any good anymore. You know, he's not going to be able to do anything. Like, no. People kind of gloss over that. If you look at the underlying metrics and we're big on, you know, on that target share, target distribution, like Deontay Johnson has that. So I guarantee, and I'm going to make my guarantee right here, the, the Zach stamp of approval is on this one. <laughs> he is going to finish higher than the wide receiver 36. I'd argue he's going to finish inside the top 25 this season, Deontay Johnson. And that's pretty easily, ease. I would say. That's with yeah, ease. I, yeah. With ease. I, I, I totally agree. So this is a you're getting him at a several round discount right now. You mentioned the 10 plus targets, right? That, that is yeah. what you I think you, you mentioned that he had a ridiculous Correct. amount of 10 plus targets since 2020. Guess who had the most 10 plus target games? 
since 2020. I'm going to go ahead and say Deontay Johnson. Yes. Deontay Johnson was first, followed by Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Okay? Yeah. Let's not get it twisted. I'm okay. on the Deontay Johnson train this season. Last season I wasn't. This season I am. Well, it may, I, listen, I, I, you made the right call last year, but he's way cheaper this year than he was last year. Yeah, no, he's he was way still, cheaper. I think last year he was still being drafted as a, as a wide receiver too. And I thought that yeah. was a, I thought that was a discount. That was a screaming value. Yeah, <laughs> you scored no touchdowns, and you know it didn't well, work out. But, like I said, it wasn't like you were completely proven wrong because he still got that target share that you were calling for the whole offseason. So it's like you weren't wrong either. It just best of both worlds. It, did, it <laughs> didn't work out, but I think it's going to work out this year. Now, yeah, Pat, Pat Fryermuth, he's also shaping into one of my favorite tight end picks this year. He, I think he's one of the safest tight end picks. Like if you want a safe tight end at a great price, I think Pat Fryermuth is the pick. Tight end 10 yeah. off the board, the 9-10 turn. Like, that's perfect for me. He's already proved himself as one of the better tight ends in the league. And then he's going into, the thir- into like, that third year that we all love for tight ends. He had a great rookie year. He then improved last year in his sophomore year. So, like, I feel like Pat Frymuth, pretty good pick going into yeah. this year. I think he's, like, that, that, like, perfect. Like, if you got to put a pin, like, where the perfect spot is for picking up a tight end, I think it's, I think it's him. Yeah, and with his upside, I mean, there's going to be continuity now at quarterback. He's going second year with Pickett. For the first year, you know, he was with Roethlisberger. Second year, now he's with Pickett. I think that he has the opportunity to cash in. Like, if he produces the same way as he did last season, tight end 10 is not a bad price. If he does better than he did last season, tight end 10 is a great price. You know what I mean? There's not really a situation where tight end 10 is a bad price unless he just misses, like, eight games. And that's not going to be for any reason outside of injury. So... I think that, like you said, like not only is he a great value pick, he's also a safe pick. He's everything that you need. If like this is the ideal punt, if you don't want to take a tight end early, you know, yeah, you're not exactly. It's yeah, it's just your safety valve. That's what he's going to be for you if he's there on the board. He's going later than he probably should. I'm with you on this one. Ahead of Dalton Kincaid, right behind him, the difference in security between one spot. Tight end spot, you know, tight end 10 to tight end 11 is humongous. So I think, would you draw the line there? Do you think at Pat Fryermuth where you're like, yeah, pretty confident in your tight end? Yeah, exactly. All right. But you're drafting him as a tight end 12. Like he's, he's going to finish as a tight end six or seven. Yeah. You know, it's yep. pretty much in stone. He averaged, <laughs> dude. <laughs> um, it's funny. Like I'm looking at the target numbers. He, he had 14 more targets than George Pickens last year in one last game. Yeah, <laughs> that tells you what so, you need to know yep. about both these guys. Okay, moving on. Let's move on to the Browns. Deshaun Watson, seventh round, QB9 off the board. I think Deshaun Watson has a lot of upside for where he's being drafted right now. I think QB9 is already assuming he's going to take a little bit of a jump from last year because he was not a QB1. Last year, you, you could right. hardly start Deshaun Watson last year. You actually, you could not start Deshaun Watson last year. But apparently, he's looking like himself in OTAs. Mm-hmm. He's looking like the old Deshaun Watson. And he mentioned that, you know, last year was a little, little bit of a struggle for him, learning the new offense. And obviously, the off-the-field stuff had to play a role as well. Uh, but seventh round, you know, I, I like his price. I think if you're shooting for upside, like, I'll say this. I think I'd rather draft – like, if Deshaun Watson is going in the seventh and then Joe Burrow is going in the fifth, I'd rather wait for Deshaun Watson in the seventh round. Um, now, in right. home leagues, you likely won't have to take him that early. In home leagues, he'll, he's probably going the ninth or tenth round. In underdog, he's going in the seventh because there's a lot of stacking that people like to do, right? So Amari Cooper is going to be taken, and then, you know, yep. wherever drafted Amari Cooper is going to be desperately want – they're going to desperately want Deshaun Watson to pair with him, right, for the, for the increased upside. Um, right. So – if I can get Deshaun Watson in the ninth round in, in a home league, I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm happy with that because of the upside he presents. I still think he presents top five QB upside overall. Mm-hmm. He has the legs, he has the talent, and now he has the weapons. I think at the very least, his floor is going to be enough that QB9 is not atrocious if you look at it in hindsight okay. at the end of the 2023 season. You know, So like okay. that's kind of where I'm anchoring myself with Deshaun Watson. It's like it's not going to be bad as long as he's healthy. You know what I mean? That's the whole case going on right here as long as the player's healthy none of these players are bad but qb9 it looks high at first but then i thought about you know they brought in elijah moore 
the offense is not going to be bad. He's going to have that full offseason to work in. He didn't jump into offseason, the Browns offseason program, until like a couple weeks before the season started. But So, of course, he's going to struggle picking up the system, and it's going to look bad the first season that he's in Cleveland. So you mentioned that Joe Burrow's going that far ahead of him. A guy going right behind Joe Burrow is Justin Herbert, a couple spots later than him. I think the risk-reward that you have with taking Deshaun Watson over Justin Herbert there, too, is also the same. Um, Trevor Lawrence is a QB8 right ahead of uh, Deshaun Watson. That's two rounds earlier, I think. So yeah. I think Deshaun Watson has comparable upside to all of these guys, you know, I agree. because he's he's not maybe, going to be maybe even more. So yeah, he's not guys. he's not going to be running like Lamar, but we right. know the type of talent that he is when he's you know dialed in. We saw that in Houston. So I think that you look at the board that way. The guys ahead of him, if you want to shoot for some upside at a lower price, albeit with some risk, Deshaun Watson might be your guy. I think so. Um, because Anthony Richardson's going right behind him. Obviously, Richardson probably has more upside, but a much, you know, wider he doesn't range have that floor. Huge range of outcomes <laughs> for Anthony Richardson, yeah. for sure. Um, he could be. Right. I can see him being one of those quarterbacks that has a couple huge weeks and then a couple terrible weeks where he's scoring like six, seven points, but those huge weeks are like 30 points. Like, yeah. I think he's going to be extremely polarizing. You're not going to know what you're going to get with him. And that <laughs> might cause him to finish – just on the fringe top 12, and that's going to be fine for fantasy, but you're going to have weeks where it's just, like, bad. I could just see that happen. You're talking about Richardson here. Richardson, right? yes. Not okay. not yeah. Deshaun Watson. Richardson, yes. Right, right. Okay, okay. Um, moving on to this backfield, Nick Chubb, you know, without Kareem Hunt now, like, what should we expect out of this backfield? Nick Chubb, obviously, a very good running back, you know, had a ridiculous year last year on the ground. Net was never really involved in the passing game. Deshaun Watson also was never a quarterback who were who, you know, dropped it down to running backs, even when he had good passing down options uh in Houston. Uh guys right. who were pretty efficient. Uh Duke Johnson, Lamar, Lamar Miller, a few of those guys. Uh, but Nate Chubb now, you know, again again, behind a good offensive line. This is this should be a good offense. Is Nick Chubb being undervalued this year? Well, his price is pretty similar to what it's been past few years. You know, RB6, he's going as a second-round pick. I don't know if he's undervalued. I think that Deshaun Watson being a more dynamic talent than he was last season. I mean, he's going to be more dynamic than Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett's fine, but he's going to be more dynamic than Jacoby Brissett, Deshaun Watson is. I think that him making the passing game a little bit better is going to kind of balance out what Nick Chubb would maybe take on in you know the receiving game since Kareem Hunt is gone, I'm not expecting Nick Chubb to suddenly take on some receiving workload. I think that it's going to go to the receivers. They brought in Elijah Moore. They have playmakers. They said they want to use Elijah Moore all over the field, that he's been used all over the field so far in OTAs. I think that he could possibly take some of that short yard, you know, passing game work that we presume might fall to Nick Chubb. I'm still looking at Nick Chubb as a guy that's going to just be a solid running back where he's, Scoring touchdowns, rushing for a lot of yards, but with minimal receiving production. I don't think he's under or overvalued. I think he's priced accurately. I think right where he's at is where I would take him for the role that I expect him to have. So right now, you got a guy like, you know, you have Saquon, Austin Eckler, Bijan, and Christian McCaffrey over him, which I I would agree with. Jonathan Taylor is being drafted as the RB4 over Nick Chubb. Give me Nick Chubb. Give me Nick Chubb over Jonathan Taylor this year because of the fact that. Nick Chubb is the guy at the goal line. Now, yep. in the we talked about this before. Indy, we don't know. Anthony Richardson could be taking a lot of those goal line looks. Not only that, also the the upside in terms of the receiving game, huge question for mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor, right? And Tony the Browns Tony offense is going to be better. Sorry. Browns offense is going to be way better. Way better. Yeah. No, 100%. Way better. And then you have Tony Pollard. You have Derrick Henry. You have Josh Jacobs. You know, Josh these Jacobs guys are. I, I, I think I think these guys are in that similar tier. I'd rather have Tony Pollard because of that receiving profile. Uh, yep. I think I'd rather have Derrick. You know, Derrick Henry and I'd rather have Nick Chubb than Derrick Henry this year. I think, uh, and then Josh Jacobs very involved in the receiving game. So, you know, at the RB five price tag, I think I'm out on Nick Chubb. I, I like Nick Chubb this year, but like RB five is a little steep for me. I think I'd rather draft him as like the RB8. And by the way, you can find my full rankings on patreon.com slash upperhandfantasy. All those rankings are there. You can see what's up. 
because I don't even remember where I had him, to be honest with you. But he's right there, like in the, around that RB8 range. That's right. kind of how I see it this year. Um, you know, Jerome Ford, Jerome Ford is going to be the handcuff here. Kareem Hunt is gone. It doesn't look like they're going to add any other backs. Dimitri Felton's after him. But Jerome Ford it was an interesting prospect because of the fact that, you know, he was, you know, relatively efficient you know he was able to you know have a, a decent you know sustain a decent workload so somebody to to keep an eye on if nick chubb ever were to ever get hurt if this ends up does if this ends up being a good offense it looks like jerome ford is stepping uh into that role as the rb2 behind nick chubb now amari cooper elijah moore donovan peoples jones uh they brought in elijah moore earlier this offseason you know r.i.p to david bell's dynasty value um <laughs> We kind of knew who David Bell was. I I didn't think he was going to be great in the NFL. However, his production profile was absolutely ridiculous. His efficiency profile was not. Um, so it looks like they replaced him pretty quickly. Yep. Um, but Elijah Moore, man, like he's looking like somebody that I'm targeting. You know, I've always been a huge fan of Elijah Moore. Uh, <laughs> wide receiver, forty six off the board. Um, I think that's a, a really good value. Um, you know, on underdog, where wide receivers are usually taken a little bit higher, he's going in the eighth round. So you can expect to get him in the tenth, maybe, in your home league, assuming that the hype doesn't get out of control and, you know, his ADP ends up climbing. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to really challenge Amari Cooper for that wide receiver one role. Like, Amari Cooper at the wide receiver mm-hmm. 18 right now, I think that's solid. I, and that might even be a value. I think wide receiver 18 might be Amari Cooper's floor. Yeah. I think that might be the case, too, because we look at what he was doing with Deshaun Watson. You know, he produced well, Jacoby Brissett, and he came on a little bit at the end with Deshaun Watson. Assuming that these guys build a little bit more chemistry than they had last season, you know, wide receiver 18, Amari Cooper's still a good receiver. He, You know, he's going to get those targets, like you said. I think if anyone, if there's any receiver that Deshaun Watson's going to dial into, it's going to be Amari Cooper. Um, so I think that having Elijah Moore there might even help his price. It has to have taken it down a little bit. You know, what I mean, from where it might have been. I, I wasn't watching where he came down from. It probably wasn't much higher. But him at wide receiver 18, Amari Cooper, uh, I, I'm giving the green light for that pick 100%. Um, yeah. Elijah Moore. Sorry, go ahead. No, please. Elijah Moore. Yeah, Elijah Moore at wide receiver 46. You know, it's it looks like a pretty good value. Assuming that he gets used all over the field, that's going to be good. I don't know. Do you think Diamond Peoples Jones is just going to kind of like go away? Like, so I don't really I will, see that. Uh, I think that's going to be like the X factor for Moore's value. Obviously, they sure. play different roles on the offense. Moore might be playing more slot. Don Peoples-Jones might be more on the outside. But somebody, only one person can get, can get targeted on a play. And Don Peoples-Jones, he's nothing to sneeze at. You know, he was being targeted last season. Yeah. He had a good role last year. And he's going off the board uh, in the 14th round as a wide receiver yeah. 72. So, you know, you do have to pay attention to that. Now, I think Elijah Moore is a more dynamic receiver. He's going to be coming out of the slot, play as the flanker. I think he fits that role a little bit more, you know, a little bit better. I do think that I I could see him getting more targets. I think DPJ was really – he was good last year, but I think – I don't think he has the – the talent or the profile to exceed what he did last year. I think that was kind of his ceiling. So I think with Moore coming in and providing legit, you know, target competition between those two guys – I, I think Moore is the guy I'd rather have. Just has more upside to me, yeah. you know, as a more dynamic receiver. And it seems like the Browns really want to get a lot out of Elijah Moore um, from all the OTA reports. Now, I will say that, you know, DPJ has looked really good in in, uh, in OTAs as well. So mm-hmm. I agree with you that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be just assuming that Elijah Moore is the wide receiver too right now. Um, I think we should continue to monitor the situation. Um, right. But if I'm picking today, you know, at, as who I'm betting on, I think it's going to be Elijah Moore between those two guys. Right. I, I hear you. I think Elijah Moore should be the wide receiver too as well. But I think that my the question for me comes down to, is Elijah Moore going to produce at that much higher of a level than DPJ? Maybe even especially early on to the point where I'm taking him, you know, 30 spots, you know, all these rounds higher than DPJ. You know, I, I think that, that discrepancy might not reflect the current difference in ADP come the football regular season. Um, I think Elijah Moore is a better talent, but I'm just wondering if that is going to be something that we see kind of cash in. We're going to see that Elijah Moore does have more, all these more targets and all these more yards than DPJ to the point where it's worth taking him as high as we were taking him. And obviously it's relative. 
you look down the board, wide receiver 46, that's pretty cheap for Elijah Moore for what he can be. But then you also look down the board, it's like, is it going to be that much of a difference in production when I can get DPJ many rounds later in the 14th round? That's the only question for me. If there's no, if there's not much of a difference between those two guys, that probably means that neither of them are fantasy relevant because right. it's like, you know, is, is Deshaun Watson going to be able to prop up three wide receivers for fantasy? You know what I mean? It's, I think it's either going to be two or one. It's a fair question. Or not three, yeah. you know? But I hear you. Uh, and then you have David Njoku going off the board as a tight end nine in the ninth round. I'd rather wait one spot and then grab Pat Fryermuth, like what, what we've been saying, as a tight end 10. Um, yeah. But I think Njoku also can be solid. But again, bringing in more target competition, I think it might be a little bit tough for David Njoku to be that like steady tight end that he was last year um, you know, before he ended up getting hurt. Um, yeah. That's my only issue with, with David Njoku. Um, Moving on to the Ravens, Lamar Jackson going off the board as a QB4. I'm big on Lamar this year, man. I really yep. am. Like I, I think with this new offensive scheme with Todd Munkin coming in, it's going to be passed first. But So why is that good for Lamar? I think it's good for Lamar because he has better weapons, right? He has A. Flowers mm-hmm. now. He has OBJ, you know. Even if it's like 65, 70% of what OBJ used to be, I think I think it's an upgrade still. He has Rashad Bateman coming back. Now, I, I would normally be high on Rashad Bateman. And I think if I had to bet on any of these wide receivers for the Ravens, it would be Rashad Bateman. I mean, Lamar Jackson just called him his wide receiver one, right? But right. he is coming off that foot injury. And I'm a little concerned that the foot injury is going to linger into this year. I think in 2024, he's going to surprise a lot of people, man. I think a lot of people don't know what Rashad Bateman is capable of. Check out Matt Harmon's reception perception on Rashad Bateman from his rookie year. You would be surprised at how good this guy could potentially be. Like, we're talking potential alpha wide receiver one type of potential here. I think the foot injury, though, is going to limit him. And if we're going into a pass-first offense, it could be more targets available, and Rashad Bateman could potentially see 130, 140 targets at some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year because of that foot injury, Zay Flowers coming in. The guy I think I'm targeting is just Mark Andrews. Like I think Mark Andrews ends up being (laughs) the guy to target in this offense, right? Um, Right. I know I'm going all over the place on this team, but like – you know, that's I feel like he's gonna end up being Lamar's favorite target. And if it's gonna be a pass first offense, like the Mark Angels might even be more consistent. Now, going back to Lamar real quick, why is it better that this is a pass first offense? Now, I think less overall rushing attempts for this entire offense means that these running backs, you know, I think it's gonna be, you know, diluted. It's not gonna be as diluted as it used to be, right? Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, when he's when he's rushing the ball like 15 times like in one game, like that happens. We see that happen so many times in his career. Sure, he's going to give you that rushing yards. And I love it. The design rushes are great. I think those design rushes are still going to be there. However, more dropbacks means more scrambles. And yep. if, if you want Lamar Jackson to scramble, I think that's when the defense is off guard, off guard. They think it's a pass play. And now Lamar Jackson is going to scramble with space. I love that. Yep. Number one. Number two we never saw Lamar Jackson put up Jalen Hurts type of numbers. Jalen Hurts last year, why he was why was he so good? Because he ran the ball ridiculously and he got it ha- he made it happen in the pass game, right? right. He had a, he had, a, he had several 300-yard passing games. He had the passing touchdowns. That is the upside that I'm excited for with Lamar Jackson. I I really am excited for it. So, that's what I'm looking forward to with the Ravens yeah. this year. With Lamar it's not like we haven't seen that before. I mean, we got a taste of it. Remember those first three weeks of the season, 2022, just last season? Three touchdowns passing, three touchdowns passing, four touchdowns passing. So that is, quick math here, 10 touchdowns in three games on top of two rushing touchdowns. And two of those games, he had 100 yards rushing. So there's your upside. That's what we're chasing right there. And I think Todd Monken can do it. You know, if they're going to be throwing the ball more, after just for a little perspective too, after those three games, he never topped – two touchdowns in a game. In fact, he only had one game with two passing touchdowns. Um, He never had combined two touchdowns in any games after that either, up until he got injured in week 13. So that's what we're looking at. It was a huge drop after those first three weeks. We're not going to see that again from Lamar, assuming that things go well this season, that all of the weapons that they added pan out. You know, Zay Flowers being there is huge. I I really like him on the Ravens. He just feels, when they drafted him, he just felt like, 
he meant he was designed to go to the rape. You know, he's that type of receiver. But um, Rashad Bateman, like you mentioned, he's exciting. I'm more excited about what he can do for Lamar than what Lamar can do for him. Um, I'm not as big on Rashad Bateman but, as you are, but um, definitely not just going out of my way to avoid him or anything like that. And Mark Andrews, you know, we could see him come back. I, I think uh, Mark Andrews historically, you know, he actually, we did a post, I think it was last season. He had historically done well with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, but not Lamar yeah. Jackson. And I think we could see that script flipped this season with Lamar, because if they have him throw the ball more, like you said, everything's going to be more dynamic. They have the talent in Lamar Jackson, do whatever they want. Those scrambles, like you said, are going to be huge. It's going to be a much better offense. I feel like we've hardly mentioned JK Dobbins who, we said we were going to talk about like J.K. Dobbins. I'm excited for him too. You know, he's yeah. hyper efficient as a running back, and I know that you're pretty big on him as well. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, I'm huge on J.K. Dobbins this year. He's a year removed from that ACL plus injury that he had, and we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, when there was you know so, some news around this offense, but J.K. Dobbins has the talent, and he's a very young running back. And these are the type of guys that I like to. I like to target, right? I think there's going to be a, a, a much bigger gap between him, between him and Gus Edwards. I've been waiting for this offensive coordinator change because I, I think J.K. Dobbins will finally be unleashed. And we keep talking about the same point, which is he only had one 15-carry game his entire entire NFL career. And that was the, the last um, game of this past season. So I'm in on J.K. Dobbins. I think he has the potential to see 20-plus carries a game. And I know people are going to be like, wait, you just said Tom Munkin was a pass-first guy. Yes. That doesn't mean he's not on the ball. And I yeah. think as as long as those touches are, like, you know, directed all towards J.K. Dobbins and there's no real, like, split between J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, the older Gus Edwards gets, you know, the, the less of a split this is going to be, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like Gus Edwards is going to be an afterthought. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy-relevant player this year. Um, and I right. think the market – pretty much agrees with me because Gus Edwards is going as an RB 59. He's basically going undrafted right now. Okay. So this is not a hot take. Okay. Yeah. Um, So JK Dobbins, you know, target him. This is going to be a good offense. He's going to be the goal line back. I just feel like he's going to be unleashed this year. Yeah. And you mentioned, Oh, Tom, Todd Munkin. He's a passing guy. Well, when you add a passing guy to an offense that's been as heavily skewed towards the run game as the Ravens have been these past few seasons, like I don't care, you know, it could be 60, 40, run pass and still that's gonna be more passing than what the Ravens have done you know the past few years another thing with J.K. Dobbins I mean you know he hasn't had more than 15 rushes in a game or whatever that whole stat listen to some of these career yards per carries that he's had on 15 target 15 rushes 7.5 yards 11 rushes 6.5 yards per attempt 13 4.1 14 4.6 11 7 yards per attempt 13 rushes 12.3 yards per attempt in the last game of his rookie season that kind of thing um this just this past season, 15 carries, 120 yards. That's eight yards in attempt. 17 for 93, 5.47. 13 for 125, 9.62. He can run the ball. Like, this yep. isn't anybody that's just like, oh, well, he's going to get the volume, and that's what it's going to be based on. No, he's actually really efficient in the ground game. Um, almost comparable to Nick Chubb, the way that he can do it. Um, I'm not going to call him Nick Chubb just yet, but he has that type of potential. Very, yeah. very good runner. Um, and if he gets any type of receiving work, that would be even better for him. I agree. And with the with this new offensive coordinator, maybe we see some more targets, you know, some that more dump-offs. Awesome. <laughs> you know, I think Lamar Jackson has a higher chance of scrambling than he is to dump it down. But but I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be much more involved in the passing game than he used to be, uh, you know, with Greg Roman there, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'm in on him. Now, b- between these wide receivers, like, I think <laughs> at this point, all of them are of value. Um, so mm-hmm. I can kind of break that down. Rashad Bateman is going as a wide receiver 44 right now, uh, and that is in the eighth round. So that's I think that's pretty solid. I think Zay Flowers is going as a wide receiver 45 at the 8-9 yep. turn. So, I, you know, I, I'm not really targeting OBJ right now. You know, I don't know who he is. I don't know what kind of player he is. Is does he end up being the wide receiver one on this team? I don't think so. I think there's a higher chance that Zay Flowers is that guy than OBJ. So I think yep. Zay Flowers might be the wide receiver that I target for this particular season. Rashad Bateman as the wide receiver that I target for next year. Um, could I be overplaying Rashad Bateman's foot injury a little bit? Maybe. Um, but I think that he is going to take a little bit of time to ramp up to at least 100%. Um, right. You know, so I, I, 
but at the end of the day, Lamar did call him his wide receiver one. I do think that he is the most talented wide receiver on that roster right now. Um, I'm just like, it's just hard for me to gauge that situation because of the foot injury. Right. No, I hear it. And for me, the way I look at this is these are all good receivers, like you said. They might all be values. But when it comes down to this platoon approach where it's like everybody's good, you know, I think that does more for the quarterback that's throwing to them maybe than yeah. the receivers that are catching the balls. So yeah. my takeaway from the Ravens having all these weapons now is Lamar is going to be yes. way better than he was last season. That's what I'm taking away from this. And each of these guys will have their games. I bet OBJ has a couple of games or maybe a stretch of games where he's the wide receiver one on the offense, but it's going to bounce around. We know Rashad Bateman's talented. He just has to put it together, stay healthy. And Zay Flowers, they drafted him for a reason. He's a very good talent as well. I actually like him the most of these three too. Um, if I'm taking one for this season, it would be Zay Flowers. But all of these guys, it's just going to be such a m- much better fantasy situation for the Ravens than we've had in the past couple seasons where it's just been Lamar and then everybody else. Maybe just draft Mark Andrews. I think that's the answer. A third round of Mark yeah. Andrews is the yeah. answer, I think. Just There's do nothing that. wrong with it. I mean, <laughs> none of these wide receivers are going to hurt Mark Andrews, I don't think, which is funny. They added a bunch of receivers, but I'm still looking at Mark Andrews as Mark Andrews. Nothing has changed. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We're going to talk NFC South and AFC South next week. Uh, That's going to wrap up our division previews, and then we'll get into some juicy, juicy stuff going into the following week after that. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. If you could subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to us. We appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. See ya.